Good evening again, everyone, and thank you all for coming out again this evening. So we will be starting with um, this evening with the testimonies of, of uh, Mike and Jody Hovland. They'll share a little bit of their personal testimony with us, and then we will go into some Q&A. We have uh, a handful of questions that have been asked, some, some good ones here. So we'll start with that and see kind of where time takes us, and uh, we'll... Um, go from there and lead into the uh, next preaching portion, which is set to begin at 6.30. So let's open with a word of prayer, and then we will pass it over to you guys for the testimony portion. Lord, we thank you again for your goodness and your grace. God, you are so good to us. You are so gracious to us. And as we saw this morning, you are rich in mercy, and we thank you for that. God, we pray that as we again spend time in fellowship here this evening, that you would be with us, Lord, give us direction, give us um, understanding, Lord, help us to get to know Mike and Jody better, give them clear th um, thoughts and speech, Lord, as they are sharing with us and answering some questions, Lord. And I just pray again that all we do this evening will be a glor glorifying in your sight. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, okay, take it away. Am I, am I on here? No. Oh, because I didn't turn it on. <laughs> now I should be on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just get used to the sound again. It takes me a minute every time I get this uh, echoey thing going on. Uh, thanks for coming tonight. Uh, hopefully that this is encouraging for you guys. We've we've been having a good time in the Crete, and uh, yeah, we just thought it'd be good to start by just sharing our testimony, how God has saved us and worked in our lives. So I will get us going on that, and I, I always like to start just to when I was about five years old or so, and uh, my uh, I was born into a, a non-Christian home, and so my parents weren't believers. Before I had been born, they were both in Alcoholics Anonymous, if you guys even know what that is. And so Alcoholics Anonymous teaches that there's a, a higher power that can help you get off of drinking and or drugs, uh, but you don't have to even know who that higher power is. You can actually just make up your own higher power, and, uh, and that's good enough for them. And so they both kind of had a sense of God, but there was no talk of God in our home. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was about four years old. And uh, my I was born in Regina, and my dad stayed in Regina. My mom ended up moving to Vernon. And, uh, and so there was really no talk about God in our home except for maybe every once in a while. There was no prayer before dinner or anything like that. Uh, and and so later on in life, I, I guess, I think it's around when I was in grade 8, about 13 years old. I don't know what was happening that particular day or if I was doing a science class or something, but I, I remember waking up that morning and I, I remember just looking at my hand and thinking, wow, this this thing is fearfully and wonderfully made. And... And then I started thinking about my vision and that I could see, and I started thinking that all the parts that are that make up my eye couldn't have been uh, couldn't have been at all useful until it was a whole eye. And so I, I was I was thinking about that, and I and I realized that you know the, these parts didn't just evolve like this. I must have been created like this because because this is too amazing that I can see. And so I started asking my mom questions like, how did we get here, and who made us, and how come my eye works like this and things like that? And uh, she just, I think she had no idea what to do with me. And so she gave me a Bible. Uh, she gave me a Jerusalem Bible, which is actually the, the Catholic version of the Bible that has the extra apocryphal books in it. And uh, I just started reading on page one when I was about 13 years old. And I read, I believe I read the whole Old Testament, but... I don't know if I read all the Psalms and stuff, but I remember drawing pictures of the, the cool things that Moses did and the, the cool army scenes and just kind of like a 13-year-old boy would do. And I would, I would pray at that time and, and, and that kind of carried into the first little bit of high school. Um, but then really in high school, I, I, I ended up, I kind of put that book away and, uh, basketball became my life. So I was all about basketball. I was 5.30 in the morning. I played basketball. And then I played at lunchtime, and then I played after school, and just my my whole life became basketball, all about basketball, um, all the way through until grade twelve. I was I played on the basketball team. In grade twelve, I moved back and lived with my dad in Regina. And uh, when basketball season ended in grade twelve, 
I think, you know, around grade 12, people start asking you, what are you going to do with your life? And I started thinking, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. What do I want to do? And I realized I wasn't going to make it to the NBA. And all of a sudden, I realized everything I had been pursuing in playing basketball all the time was just vanity and emptiness. And even if I played in college, I'll never play in the NBA. So what's the point of all of this stuff I've been doing? What's the point of life? Uh, what should I do with my life? And I, and I really got... Um, got down and 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 I looked at like the world around me and everyone that I knew and they would ha- they would have a house and a job and maybe they were married and and to me I just looked at house job being married and living your whole life like that that is empty and it's just what is the point of that and so it, that seemed like vanity to me as well and so instead of pursuing that vanity I pursued a different vanity I started drinking and doing drugs. I, I just didn't really know what to do with myself. And so I would, and I was just a, a drunkard and uh, I was high all day, every day. Um, all after grade 12, that, that first year uh, before university. Um, then maybe, I don't know, I don't even really know all why I did, but I, I guess maybe there was just pressure. I, I decided to start taking a university at University of Regina. And in the, in the meantime, my sister, who was in Vernon, started going to, who's a year and a half younger than me, she started going to a youth group in Vernon and she became a believer. And, and I thought when I, when I heard that she became a believer, I thought she got brainwashed by some church people. That's just how I thought about people that went to church. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, my sister got brainwashed. She came to visit me that summer and took me to a church and, I hated it. She she shared the gospel with me. She kind of took me through Romans, and um, I didn't really pay much attention to it. Uh, and uh, and so she just kept praying for me, and she bought me a Bible. So she bought me a, an NIV Bible, and uh, I put I put it on my shelf, and I thought I'm never going to read that book, but whatever. There it is. Uh, around the same time, I was at a friend's house, and I saw this movie on his desk. Uh, called the Jesus film, the Campus Crusade Jesus film. Maybe some of you have seen that. Kind of just goes through sections of the book of Luke and word for word quotes it. And uh, and so for whatever reason, I was watching that Jesus film every once in a while and I had this Bible on my shelf. And one day it just hit me that I should read the Bible. And, and I can't really explain it. I don't have, there's no reason why I thought I should read the Bible, but I just, this overwhelming com- compulsion came upon me to read the Bible and I thought to myself, well, when I was a kid, I read the old part. And so now why don't I read the new part? So I opened it up to the book of Matthew and just started reading through the Bible that week. And it was really a strong desire. And I, I spent just a ton of time reading the Bible. And, and it didn't take very long into the Bible. I realized I was going to go to hell. And, and I remember just looking up at my ceiling and just trembling, thinking, I'm going to go to hell if I die. And uh, I was scared. I thought, well, what do I do? I guess I read, the, I read the Bible. So I read the rest of the Bible, the rest of the New Testament. And uh, I was still going to hell. I didn't really know what to do. So I thought, well, I think people must go to church then. And so I thought, well, I'll go to church. And so there was two churches by my house that I knew of. I didn't know the difference between churches. I'd never really been to church before. There was a Chinese Alliance church and there was Celebration Lutheran and I thought, well, I don't speak Chinese, so I'll go to the Lutheran church. So <clears throat> I went to this charismatic Lutheran church. I sat in the back row, kind of like this, just get me out of here. And, and I thought, I literally thought, if they say anything not in the Bible, I'm just getting out of here as fast as I can. And so I'm sitting in the back row, just waiting for someone to say something not in the Bible. And, uh, and I'm super judgmental. So if anyone says anything, I'm pretty much out of there. But in God's providence, they, they didn't have a pastor at that time. And so they decided to do an, a worship-only service. So nobody said anything except for singing. Now, I didn't realize at the time that singing should have been from the Bible too or whatever. It didn't just that didn't compute yet. But they, uh, <clears throat> I, so I'm sitting in the back row and I'm watching these Lutherans celebrate. Now, the, these Lutherans, this it's nothing like... Uh, like Grace Bible Fellowship, there they are singing and dancing, and and standing up and and just celebrating. <laughs> and uh, I'd never seen anything like this in my life. And I'm I'm just I'm thinking about this 
I just couldn't even believe people did this on a Sunday. And so, so I'm, I'm thinking about that and I started thinking, well, this is what God made us for. We're, we were made to worship him. And as I was thinking about that and watching these people, my, my life just flashed before my eyes. And it's just kind of one thing after another. And I just, it was just really all my sin. And I just realized as I was thinking about my sin that I had forsaken God. I, I knew all along, my whole life, I had known he was there, but I didn't follow him. I didn't live for him. I didn't love him. And, and I just broke down weeping uh, that I had forsaken God. And, uh, I wept through that whole service. They, there was a bit of an intermission, and then there was a second service. I sat in the front row for that service, and uh, I would try to get up and sing the songs with with those people, but I, I was just too overwhelmed, and I would just I, I basically wept through the whole second service, just overwhelmed. Now, not now, not even just overwhelmed for my sin, but just with a sense of God's presence and joy. And I, I remember walking home after that service, and I, I didn't know all the doctrine or anything, but I knew that my life was changed and I knew I was connected to God now. And so, and, and so the regeneration, I was born again, but I didn't know how to explain it. And from that moment, my life just totally changed. Uh, I ended up shortly after that moving to Vernon. I, wa- I wanted to make sure my sister had whatever, I knew whatever happened to me, whatever God did in my life is what was supposed to happen. So I wanted to make sure my sister wasn't just brainwashed. And so I went to this church and, um, where my sister was, it was it was at that time called the Mennonite Church of Vernon, where uh, my sister, um, yeah, was. And so uh, I went to the Mennonite Church. That's where I met Jody, and uh, she was friends with my sister. And uh, I think I was going to stop it right about there. Is that is that good? Do you want to kind of carry our life from there on? Okay. I'll, I'll back up though. I won't start right from there. Um, so I was born in a Christian home. Um, I have five siblings. Uh, we grew up on a farm in the Okanagan. Um, so my parents are believers. As far as I know, they're believers. Um, but just the churches we had gone to, I don't, I don't know that they have had good teaching in their life. Um, we would ask questions, but there was not a lot of discussion in our home about the word, about the Lord, about salvation. Um, they would talk, the two of them, but not with us so much. So um, the only times that felt like uh, times of faith, I guess, were praying before the meal. And that was about the extent of it. Um, I know that they talked. I remember at one point in my life, they were talking about a good friend that they had and that they were sad for them because they were such good people. Or this particular lady was just such a good person and they loved her so much, but they knew that she wouldn't go to heaven one day because she hadn't been made right with God through Christ. So they understood that. I I just think it might have stopped there. Um, so at a young age, uh, my parents or my mom, she encouraged me to ask Jesus into my heart so that I could be saved and go to heaven. And of course, I wanted to go to heaven. So um, I prayed with her and asked Jesus into my heart. And that was probably six, seven years old. Um, but nothing changed at that point. It was just kind of like a check, did it? I'm, I'm into heaven. This is great. Um, I had a sense of sin and guilt, though. Like my brother and I, we would fight like cats and dogs. We were awful. Um, and I remember confessing all the time to the Lord for hitting my brother and being mad at my brother, but there was never a desire to change. I just knew I had to confess that, but then I would keep on hitting him or whatever. So that was kind of my childhood, I guess. Um, we always were at church on Sunday, went through junior high and high school, going to church on Sunday, even taught Sunday school and, um, was on the worship team and really, really involved in the church. Uh, I was baptized uh, at the Mennonite church that Mike had mentioned too. Um, went away to college for a bit, came back and got even more involved with our college and career group and leadership. Um, and that's when I met Mike and we were married. Um, shortly after we were married, we gave birth to Reese and Reese was born three months early. Uh, so we were... 
shipped off to Vancouver very quickly where he would be living in an incubator for the next three months. Um, but he came home. Thankfully, that was a rough go, but we came home. Uh, and our church was really supportive in that time. They really just loved on us and prayed for us. Um, but then we got pregnant again and we lost our little boy. He was born at 21 weeks. Um, so he was with us for a couple hours and then passed away. Um, and we did okay through that. Um, and again, our church was quite supportive, but you know, then there started to be a little bit of awkwardness because this was a lot of trial. And, uh, so I remember at one point hearing, well, this can't happen again. The Lord, the Lord wouldn't do that again. You've had enough trial in your life. Um, but so we got pregnant again and then, uh, we lost another child at 23 weeks. We had a little girl and she was with us for five days, uh, in the NICU, um, but yeah, she was too small, too weak. So we had to say goodbye to her. Um, and it was at that point that I got mad. <laughs> and I got very bitter with the Lord. And um, just so incredibly angry with uh, what God had done in our lives. And uh, I just um, spiraled down, I guess. And I didn't want to be at church. I did not want to be... Um, with God's people, with them singing on Sunday and feeling like they can sing because their life is perfect, but my life's in absolute turmoil. So we stopped going to church for quite a while. I don't know exactly how long, but because it was just hard. It was so hard. And I, it was hard on them too. They didn't know what to say <laughs> to us too. So it just felt better to not go and not us have to deal with them or they have to deal with us. Um, but there was a point when we started going again, and I don't know why we started going per se. Um, but I, it was a while, but we started going and, uh, there was a woman's Bible study that started and, uh, it was led by a 92 year old woman. She, uh, was a widow and home and, uh, she was leading this Bible study and I thought, oh, I'm going to go to her study. Actually, that might be okay because she's 92. None of the young moms will go. So this will be great. I can just go with the older women and the younger women will go to this other one. Um, so I started going to that. Uh, and she was an incredible godly woman. And I just remember, I don't remember much of what she taught, but I remember that often she would recite, uh, it was Psalm 91, verse 2, and it says, uh, The Lord is my rock and my refuge, and Him will I trust. And she said that a lot, and she said it with such love, and such, like she would just say it with tears in her eyes. And that stuck with me, um, that verse. And I would repeat that often. Um and I guess what's kind of ironic is I realized how angry I was and how bitter I was, but that anger and that bitterness in a way drove me to the scriptures and drove me to God in a new way because I, I felt like I had something, there's something wrong here. I can't be saved and be this angry. I can't be mad at God like this and be a Christian. There's something wrong here. So there was this turmoil in my heart, but at the same time, it was drawing me to God's word in a way that I had never um, experienced before or wanted before. So it was kind of a weird conflict, I guess, going on in my own heart. Um, so at that time, I also started doing a study just at home on my own. Um, it's put out by New Tribes Mission. It's called uh, Creation to Christ. And I guess it's a curriculum that they used when they're church planting. And I started going through that. And that was a huge influence on my life because I never understood the Old Testament uh Growing up, we would hear stories of the Old Testament, but they're usually isolated stories. Um, there was no connection to Christ or the New Testament. So I started going through this curriculum and learning about um, the sacrifices that needed to be made for sin and how the people would have to slay an animal, put their hand on the animal and slay the animal for sin. There had to be a payment for sin. And... Uh, I didn't get that before, that there had to be a payment for sin. 
So when um, just through this study and through this lady's Bible study, I came to understand that Christ was my payment for my sin. And I just had never understood that before, nor even that God was holy and that he required a payment for sin because sin is such an offense to him. So it was in that time, but like I can't necessarily pinpoint a day, but in that time, um, I understood the gospel and I believed on the gospel and in that time was saved. Um, and, uh, just to back up a little bit too, I just remember there were nights where I would fear judgment because I was so mad. And, uh, that verse, I just started to understand it as I was going through the Old Testament that I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in him. Just casting my sight on the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. Um, so yeah, and you know, that didn't take the grief or the pain away at all. Um, that was still very real in my heart, but I was so thankful to the Lord for showing me, uh, the mercy that he extended to me in Christ during that time. And, uh, I guess there was a, um, a sense in which I humbled myself under his mighty hand, uh, in my life through our pain. So. I think you maybe want to continue on from there. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Jody used to often just ask, try to ask Christ into her heart, just over and over again, you know, because out of fear that she wasn't saved. And then I think eventually she, she was almost making a like a Christ out of her faith, right? She was trusting in her faith and that it was all really up to her instead of just trusting in Christ and what He did. Yeah, I guess I didn't say that. My my whole childhood, I was constantly asking Jesus into my heart because, yeah. Just a I, fear that you didn't do it right or something. Yeah, or I didn't, I missed that sin, so I had to make sure that I did it again because I didn't ask for forgiveness for that thing. And, yeah, so it was a constant doubting, a constant fear that I needed to ask Jesus into my heart again. And, or my sincerity wasn't enough, right? It was always how I did it or, yeah. Never, never a casting my sight upon Christ. See, when, when our, when our children died, I remember thinking, I remember saying to the Lord, and at least in my heart, that, uh, I don't even, I don't care what amount of good you do out of this, it's never going to be worth it. It's never, it's never going to be enough. If, like, even if the whole world gets saved through this, I, I was just, I was frustrated and angry at God too. And, uh, and then, when just Jody got saved a few years later, God had really changed our hearts, changed my heart. And I remember thinking, well, just Jody got saved through it. I'll do that again, uh, any day. Um, although, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to go through that difficulty again. It was a really hard time in our life. Um, now, uh, I had always kind of wanted to be in ministry, but just never, never felt like the door was open and didn't really know how to go about it or how to do it. Uh, Jody's brother and my brother-in-law, the, the guy who's married to my sister, they had both went to this Bible college that was connected to our church, uh, the, the Columbia Bible College in BC. And they both kind of came out just less helpful than they were when they went in. They just, they learned that, they just learned all these different options. It could be this, it could be that, it could be that, it could be that, and nobody really knows what it is. And so they didn't really learn how to understand what the scripture actually says. They just kind of learned about all the options in something. And, and so they would come back and they just felt like they had really no faith anymore. And so, um, I thought, well, I, you know, I'd love to be in ministry, but there's no way I want to go to a school like that. And so I didn't really know there was a school on earth that I could live. I guess I never really, th- where I could learn and, and be happy. And, uh, and so I just kind of thought, well, I guess I'm just going to have to, figure this out on my own. Uh, a pastor had donated to me the 36 volumes of the Nicene and anti-Nicene church fathers. And I was just going to start reading at volume one and just kind of work my way through and see what I could figure out from that. And uh, and then we found out, and, and I'm cutting some things out, but we found out that, that we were pregnant again. And so we thought, oh no, we're going to lose another child again. Um, but we went to the doctor and they... they they uh, did a different kind of stitch in Jody's cervix. And so we, during this pregnancy, that's when we had Joel, we had to move to 
Vancouver and, and be near the children's hospital. And my sister lived in Richmond. And so we moved in with my sister. <clears throat> and I thought, well, this is awesome because now I can finally go to a good church. There's got to be a good church in Vancouver. And, uh, and so at the time I had been listening to uh, a few different preachers. John MacArthur was one of them. Uh, Paul Washer was another one. Paul Washer had mentioned something called Reformed Theology. And I thought, I don't know what that Reformed Theology is, but if, uh, if it's good enough for Paul Washer, there must be something good about it. And so I, I did a search, Reformed Theology Church in Vancouver, and a, a church pop, the first church that popped up, uh, we thought, well, let's go there this Sunday. So we went there this Sunday, and uh, a guy named Lyndon Unger, which I know Lauren knows Lyndon, but uh, he was he had just started the week before at that church. And we, we sit down in the back row, and and Lyndon Unger is preaching from the book of Jonah, and it was just, it was so helpful and so good and so clear. And we went home and we talked about how the book of Jonah applies to our lives, and we talked about it all afternoon long. And, uh, and within the first minute of, of being in that church, I thought, wow, I'm finally going to learn something from the Bible. And, uh, and so I started, um, meeting with Lyndon and, and, and he would start, he started asking me questions and discipling me and he would ask me, well, what do you believe about the Bible? And I'd say, I don't know. It's God's word. And he would, he would give me a bunch of books here, read this, 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 and this, and, uh, and come talk to me next week. And so I would go and I'd, I'd devour all this books that he gave me to read. And I'd come back and he'd ask me another question. What do you believe about this? I don't know. And so we just kind of did that for six months. And uh, I learned so much in that six months, more than I really more than I had in that 10 years before of being in the church that just didn't really teach good, sound doctrine. And so I learned so much and I thought, well, if I want to be in ministry, which I think I do, I, I, I remember before that, I remember reading the qualifications of an elder in First Timothy and Titus. And I remember thinking, yeah, like those character things, I think by God's grace, I, I am those things. But that whole thing about being able to teach and how to refute things that are wrong, I just knew... I, I would know something wasn't right. I, I would, I, I had enough knowledge to go, something's not right about what they're teaching, but I never knew how to ex- explain what was wrong about it or, or why something else was right. So I, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't really know what was right. And, and I knew if, if I was going to be in ministry, I needed to get the training and equipping that Lyndon got because whatever Lyndon learned at seminary, it was very evident that it was what was helping me to grow. And so, um, during that six months, we, we had Joel. He was, he was born healthy. And uh, we decided that we needed to go to school. And if the school that helped Lyndon was good, then, and, then I would go to that one. And, that, of course, that was Master's Seminary. And so we sold our house pretty shortly after that. And we moved to California and, uh, and uh, went to seminary. And when I came out of seminary, uh, I ended up at Grace Life Church in Edmonton. I wanted to be back in Canada. Uh, I had a I had a burden for Canada. I realized that that everywhere all the all the seminary guys that were from Canada had the same story that there they they there was no good churches in Canada. There weren't good churches in their area and and so I just I knew uh, it'd be great if I could go back to Canada. And uh so I ended up at Grace Life Edmonton and we've been there for 4 years. And uh just recently in the last in the la- over the last year, I've been just really wrestling if if uh, God has gifted me and and um, equipped me and called me to be a senior pastor. There, there's been things at Grace Life that I just feel hindered in. Well, I want to I want to shepherd, I want to lead, I want to preach, and I, I don't always get to do that there. Uh, although there's always plenty of stuff to do there. Um, but over the last year, I've just been wrestling with that and kind of came to that decision. And uh, that that I yes I want to be a senior pastor. That that I think it was like the next day I was teaching a class on prayer at uh, at our at our church, and so I asked one of my semin- seminary professors, who happens to be a Canadian, uh, for his notes on prayer, and uh, he sent me back his notes. And the the day that he sent me those back, I said, oh yeah, and by the way, thanks for this thing, but by the way, I'm looking for a, a position as a senior pastor somewhere in Canada. And he replied right away with uh, an email from Grace Advance, and and uh, they showed me this this thing on the you know he said we we got a group of guys in Lacrete looking for a pastor, and uh, I looked up Lacrete on the map, and I and I thought wow that is way north, and I, and I thought well 
that was nice. We'll find something else. <laughs> and, and just, I'm really sorry, but that's how I first felt. And then, and then that next Sunday, I, I turned around to walk out of church, and there's Lauren and Amanda, and, uh, and I, I didn't know George and Shelly yet, but, but uh, I turned to walk out of church, and there they are, and I see them, and I go, I know these people. I know, at least I know Lauren and Amanda. And then I thought, it, then it all clicked. You guys are from La Crete. And so, and they said, yes, we are. And so we started talking, and then it was like, it wasn't just a dot on the map anymore. It was actual, like, real people that wanted a pastor. And so, uh, anyway, here we are. Um, so that's, that's, I think that's the, that's it for testimony. Okay, thanks. Well, thank you for sharing that and being open with us. Um, I think most of us here, when we look on the map, we still think, wow, <laughs> that's way up there. <laughs> so you're not, you're not in bad company there. Um, no, but thank you again for sharing that. We did have some questions come in, so we will start um, by asking them and give you guys an opportunity to, to share. Um, the first one, we'll let you catch a drink here while we ask the first question. What activities do you and your family enjoy during your leisure time? Okay. That's a hard question for Mike, so that's why I'm taking it. Um, <laughs> yeah, take it easy on me, guys. <laughs> um, we love board games, actually. Our oldest son, Reese, loves board games, and Mike loves board games, and uh, Mike's super competitive. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and she's not. That's why she's, I'm not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we play a lot of board games on our on our days off, I guess. That's usually how we spend the time. Um, Joel and I love being outside. Uh, Reese and Mike love books. So that's kind of, I think, it. Either we're outside reading books or playing games. I think that's kind of the gist of our... Yeah, we don't we do not do a lot of leisure. People ask me that question. What do you do for a hobby? And I just, like, I don't know. I, I like reading the Bible and studying and preaching. and uh, But that's not really, like, a hobby. So... But I do like playing basketball, so that's that is kind of one thing. So I, I'll get out once a week and play a basketball in a men's league, and it kind of if you just sit in a chair all day and and uh, study and stuff like that, it's not really good for your health. And so it's nice to get out and run a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we we have been taking one day off a week um, the last four years, and uh, we just call it family day. And so I, I just like to spend time with the family on my day off and just kind of do whatever we like to. We like to eat food, so I like to make good food. I like to cook, and uh, and so I'll cook something up fancy for us, or not fancy, but something that I think is delicious or whatever, and we will we will do that, and that's kind of our, our leisure time. Sometimes the most leisureful thing for me is to actually build something with my hands or do some kind of work like that, and so, yeah, leisure is, I don't know, that's that's... I'm just a little bit weird like that, but that's okay. I love hiking. So in BC, tons of hiking, but there's not a lot of hiking in Alberta. So we don't do that so much. But um, we do walk a lot. And Mike will walk as a sacrifice of love for his wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to... <laughs> I, I, I'm very purposeful. So I, I, would, I would think, what is the point of this walk? Because we're just going to come right back where we started at the end of this thing. But then I realized I can have a purpose of this to just spend time with my family and love my wife. And then that, that kind of covered that for me. So, Okay, good. Thank you. Um, going into the next part here. For Mike, um, what is your preaching ministry philosophy? How do you view your role in preaching and ministry? How would you just kind of explain that to us? Yeah, um, my preach. I, I you, so I don't. Oh, well, let's just let's do this. I, you know, that that's a, such a broad question. It's a it's a great question. Um, I think if we go to Colossians one twenty eight, we can kind of see Paul's philosophy of ministry. He says, "We proclaim him." That is, we proclaim Christ admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I labor, striving according to His power which works mightily within me. So Paul's 
philosophy of ministry is that he wants to proclaim Christ and teach Christ to the people so that they could grow and be more like Christ. And so really the, the ultimate purpose of ministry is that it glorifies God. God wants to glorify himself and show himself in the world. And the way that he's doing that right now in our age is he's doing that through the church. He is going to build his church and in his church, he's going to save people and bring them into the church. And then he's going to grow those people to be more like Christ so that they can bring more glory to God. And so we want to be a part of that by teaching people to, so that they can grow to be like Christ. And so how do you teach people to grow to be like Christ? You got to teach them God's word. And, and of course, God's word points us to Christ. Paul's saying, I, I proclaim Christ, but we got to teach people the word of God because that's, it's by the word of God that we grow. And, and even first Peter talks about that, that, that he wants us to long for the pure milk of the word so that we may grow. And so my philosophy of, of, of ministry is that, that we've got to teach people the word so that they can understand it. And then when they, when we understand it, when it, when it first affects our minds. And so there's this, there's this kind of progression that, um, in, in Christianity, you can't, you can never bypass the mind. You've got to reach people's understanding so that they change the way that they think. And what we think then changes our hearts. It, you know, our, our minds change about something that, that changes the way we think about something. And what we think about things affects our, what we call our affections, what we, what we love, what we hate. And so by, by teaching the mind, people, we can, we can, we can change people as the, as the Holy Spirit works within us, renewing our mind, there's this transformation of what we love and what we hate. And so we begin to love what God loves and we begin to hate what God hates. And, and then those affections now, those loves, those, those, the things that we treasure and value is, is now different. And then we act differently out of that. And so, um, so it, and, and we just do that again by just teaching the Word of God. And so Sunday after Sunday, what I would want to do is just, teach through books of the Bible and just, and just hopefully be able to show you what does it say? And, and then what do we do because of that? And so just, just, you know, introduce a text, uh, an introduction, hopefully to catch a little bit of attention, maybe get your mind on the thing that we're trying to talk about and then just kind of show you what the word says. I, I really don't want to say anything besides what the word says because I don't like even I don't care what I think about something. Who cares what I think or even no offense what you think? We we want to what does God think? What does God say? And so I, I'm hoping as I preach that I can just show you that this is what it says. And then it becomes clear, okay, based on what it says, your thinking is changing about things, about the about the world around you, about what's good and what's bad and who Christ is and all of those things that scripture presents. And uh and I wouldn't want to pretend that I know everything that we need, and so I just want to go verse by verse through the Bible because God has already given us what we need, and we just need to bring out what's already there. Uh, I, and, and so, so in a, in a typical work week, Paul goes on, he says, for this purpose, I labor striving according to his power. I, I'm going to spend a, a, a fair amount of time just studying, uh, the word of God so that I can preach it and teach it. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly how we would, would operate it here. You know, right now you've got a Sunday service. I'd probably love to teach at least one other time in a week. Um, but it just depends on, on the facilities and what, and what all we have. Um, but, but so that's kind of, that's the, the first and, and I'd say the main priority is just the preaching and teaching of God's word. And, and then along with that, I think what, what has to happen is we need to train men to be biblical elders. Uh, there, there's, it's not just all up to the pastor. I think we can kind of think, well, the pastor is the one who does it all, but that, but that's not, that's not a biblical modest model of ministry. There's always, whenever you see in scripture, there's always, uh, a plurality of elders. There's multiple elders in any given local church and, and they're all pastors. It's not like there's a pastor and then there's elders. If you look at the New Testament, there's just elders, overseers, shepherds, and those are all talking about the same group of people. Now, some of those elders, overseers, shepherds might be paid by the church so that they can devote all their time to the work of ministry, but there's also elders, shepherds, overseers who aren't paid and are, are just what, what we would typically call lay elders, 
but they're pastors too. And so we would want to just be pouring, I would want to just be pouring into the men of the church uh, in some kind of way that we could raise up elders who know the scriptures, who understand what they're trying to do and understand really the same philosophy of ministry that I just said. And, and maybe those guys aren't going to uh, preach every week, but they're going to, they're called to, all elders are called to be able to teach. And so there'd be some other ministry opportunities where they'd be teaching, whether it's filling the pulpit from time to time or just teaching in other areas. Counseling is a, is another form of teaching. And so, um, and so you want to build into the men. And, and of course, there's other ministries that we want to have as well. We're going to talk about, I think one of the questions was about women's ministry. I think that's really important. Um, but I, I think you, you got to prioritize the, the preaching of the word and then, then training men. And if you can have a, a group of godly men who are elders, they can be pouring in to the rest of the church and, and then it can all kind of grow from there. And each and every one of us is then involved in, in doing the work of the ministry. And so Ephesians 4.11 talks about this, that, that Christ has given some as pastors and teachers and then those pastors and teachers are for the equipping of the saints. So I'd be here to equip the saints and the saints now are supposed to do the work of the service and or, or the work of ministry and so um so pastors and teachers equip the saints and and the saints are the ones who are doing the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until we all and and verse 13 is a really long complex verse but until we all attain Christ likeness until we're all like Jesus Christ and so um i think that's that's basically, yeah, that's what you're getting at on yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, very good. Um, let's lead with that into the question on women's ministries. What does women's ministry look like in a healthy church? And what level of involvement should the elders or pastors have in it? Yeah, I would say uh, women's ministry in a healthy church uh, is a biblical ministry that's based on Scripture, that's teaching the women to understand and, and apply the Bible to their lives. Um, and, and I think that, that you, it, it's too important of a ministry just to leave it to the women, not to, no, no offense to the women, but, but elders are, are the ones who have been called and equipped and, and, uh, prepared to, oversee the church god has called us to lead the church and so we should be leading in that area as well now that doesn't mean that the men are going to teach women's ministry uh, i think i but i think there needs to be a, a healthy connection between what's happening in women's ministry and and the plurality of elders in a local church so that so that the the elders are comfortable with what the women are learning and and being taught and uh and that might involve sometimes coming out and, and checking out the ministry or at least being over the curriculum and just making sure that what the women are learning is good and godly and healthy and full of biblical truth and content. Uh, do you want to say anything about that, huh? Uh, yeah, I guess I could. Um, just I'm just thinking that it's important... I think we do it, the women can do a disservice to themselves by not being under elders oversight because they're the ones who watch over our souls. So I think we, we want that, that umbrella, that oversight and, um, women's ministry can be a wonderful blessing to elders of a church knowing that the women are learning and growing and, um, supporting what they're doing too. Um, so yeah, I I think a women's ministry can just flourish when it's um under an elder's care and oversight and uh is there to support them too as they minister to the flock. Okay, very good. Thank you. Um another question here. Now looking at our specific situation and the reason you guys are here. So if you decided to come and it worked out that you would become the pastor of Grace Bible Fellowship in La Crete, how long would you be committing for? What, how would you view your family moving here in that sense? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'd like to know that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 
let me uh, let me answer it this way. I was talking to another church, and their their search committee asked me that same question, and uh, and I hadn't thought about it before. And but then I thought, well, if you're gonna be the pastor at a local church, I, I think that's the the kind of thing that you just want to stay and just build the church and and be committed. And so, um, like I I don't want to like sign my life away on the whole thing and say like I'm never gonna leave because I don't know what could happen in the future but I think ideally and and I think in our hearts as we we try to make a decision like this that we are are thinking about just staying and spending the rest of our life building up that church and equipping it and and uh, being a part of the ministry there so I you know I I think it's I would I would say it's basically a lifelong commitment but I I don't really know for sure what the future holds but that's kind of that's where my heart is on the whole thing and that's why it's just such a big, like we're here and we're checking out the town and it's it's a huge decision for us. It's a huge thing for us. And uh, and so as I've been thinking about that, like where do I want to live? Like what, and for me, I, I told Lauren this, I just, I kind of sitting in my basement studying. When I, when I was in seminary, I would I was sitting in my office there studying the, the Bible and doing my seminary classes and it was a hundred degrees outside and it didn't matter to me because it was 20 degrees in my in my office and and now I'm in Edmonton in a basement studying in my basement there and it's it's 20 degrees in my basement there and it doesn't matter if the sun's shining or what and so I've I kind of realized it really makes no difference to me um but I I think for the family and stuff Jody said she likes to get outside so we just we're kind of just is this a place that we want to spend the rest of our life and and really I think then it it comes to like, it, are these the people that you want to spend the rest of your life building into and ministering to? And, um, and so, yeah, that's, those, those are the kinds of things we're, we're trying to think about. And, uh, but it, again, it, it does seem like if to be an effective lead pastor, it, it really is a, a lifelong thing. It's not like a two year thing and then, and then you move along. So, yeah. Is that, is that good, huh? <laughs> okay, we can move on. <laughs> Good, thank you. Um, so question, what are some ways that you are evangelistic in your ministry and what might that look like in a small community like this? Yeah, that's great. What are some ways that I'm evangelistic in my ministry? The first thing that comes to mind is what um, what I started at Grace Life is... Uh, is what we call new visitor outreach ministry. And so if you've ever been to Grace Life, you probably talk to me. Uh, every, we, we, every Sunday we, we say to that we give a special welcome to the new visitors. We, we actually almost always have new visitors at Grace Life every Sunday. And, uh, and so the pastor who's doing the announcements gives a, a special welcome to them. And then we tell them that we've got a special a book that we'd like to give them. And, uh, and so we hand out a book called What is the Gospel? Uh, by Greg Gilbert. It's just a, a good little basic gospel primer. It goes through the the gospel in four headings. Who is God? And, and talking about God as holy and just and righteous and that this is his world. He's the creator. And because he's the creator, we're accountable to him. Um, then the next chapter talks about uh, man as a sinner, that uh, man has sinned and broken God's law and is in danger of judgment. Uh, the, the third chapter is on Christ and how only Christ is the answer to our problem. He is God and man, and uh, he came to the world, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be made righteous. And then the, the fourth chapter, and the book has seven chapters, but the, the fourth kind of major heading is is that um, the, how we respond. And so we need to repent and believe. And And so that book is just a real nice gospel presentation, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. And, and the, the title of the book kind of gives me an opportunity to ask the new visitor, hey, wh- what, what would you say the gospel is? What, what's your understanding of the gospel? And so as I give out that book, I try to get into a gospel conversation with that person. And, and really, Sunday after Sunday, I'm able to present the gospel to these people that, that visit our church, or at least um, most often I can, I can manage to get into a conversation uh, like that, and so that that's kind of one area. Then what we we also send that person a letter and follow up. Uh, I've got somebody else trained to do the follow up calls right now, but um, 
follow up and, and hopefully he's uh, getting into those kind of same conversations. And actually Jody does calls all the, the women right now. And so that's, that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind as, as I think about evangelistic ministry is just trying to evangelize the people that come. And, and then, of course, sometimes there's opportunities to do evangelism as, as those new people come and get to know me even further. Uh, but often people that come are already believers, and, uh, and that's wonderful. Um, another thing is, I, I, so I love doing evangelism. I, I, I used to, at Grace Community Church, when I was, so when I was in seminary for about two years, I worked at Grace Community Church, and I was the intern in the local outreach ministry, and so I worked 20 hours a week there. And Grace Community Church has about, at least at that time, they had 25 or 26 different outreach ministries. And in conjunction with the outreach pastor, I oversaw those ministries. And uh, so we had basketball ministries, and we had ethnic ministries, and we had volleyball ministry, and we had connections to the the skid row preaching. And there, there was, you know, 25 different kinds of ministries there for outreach so I actually, I love doing outreach. I, I love doing door-to-door. I like talking to people in the park. I, I haven't had time to do that at Grace Life because it's just, it's I've been too busy there. Um, but one of the things that I did do was I, I taught an evangelism class. And so I've I've trained, uh, I don't know if it's about 60 people or so now that have, have been part of Grace Life. Uh, and I, I taught this evangelism class that, that just, and, and developed it based off some curriculum from Grace Community Church. Uh, that that just teaches people uh, again what is teaches on motivation for evangelism what what what's the proper biblical motivation to do evangelism then just going through really clearly what is the message of evangelism what are we actually telling people when we, we're preaching the gospel I think a lot of times Christians have opportunities to to share the gospel at work and and with different people that you know but you don't maybe don't know exactly how to do it or what to say and so I, I like to teach people that um, and then we talk about we just talk about uh, some of the the methods of evangelism and just different ways to get into gospel conversation so I like training people to do evangelism and, and I would I'd love to do that here and I would love to just if I had more time and maybe I would if I was here um, I would love to go out now I don't know what the best way to reach Mennonite people is I, I asked Lauren actually didn't I think I asked you I what what would happen if I went out and knocked on a Mennonite store and said, "Hey, I'm here to 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 get into a spiritual conversation with people in the neighborhood," and and I, would they slam the door on my face? Would they say, "Come on in and have some sausage," or what? Like, how what would we do? And so I just I just I'd, I'd want to kind of talk to you guys and figure out what's the best way to 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 talk to Mennonites, and and maybe the best way is to just get you talking to them at your workplaces and whatever. But so I I like. I love evangelism. It excites me. Um, I'm not a shy. I'm not shy. I, I am shy, but I, for some reason, I can get into conversations about the gospel, and I, I just love doing that. Um, there is probably more ways. Oh, uh, you know, another way that that uh, evangelism is is really key in my ministry is that in almost every sermon, I'm I'm gonna I try to preach the gospel. So. And it doesn't matter what text I'm in, I'm going to find a way to bring the gospel in or at least some key elements of the gospel so that there's, because you never know who comes, right? An unbeliever could be here and, and I don't know that. And so I, I'm trying to get the gospel into every sermon. And I, I would say that eight or nine out of ten sermons, the, you're going to have the gospel, like a, a gospel presentation um, I think you've probably seen that already, even this weekend a little bit. Um, I, there, every once in a while, there's a sermon where I don't get the gospel, but even then, I'm trying to hit at least one key aspect. Like I just said, like God is holy, or man is sinful, or just something is going to be in there uh, to to hopefully awaken the conscience of somebody if if they're not saved. Would you have any? Okay, hopefully that. Okay, no good. Thank you. Um, getting into a bit of a more weightier subject for our community in our area that we have discussed before as well. But what is your position on immersion when it comes to people that are already baptized via sprinkling? 
And then uh, it says here, the Grace Community website seems to have that in a bit of a gray area. Yeah. What are What is your position, your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so let me start with this. I so I I developed and and teach the the membership class at Grace Community or at uh, Grace Life Church, the church that I'm part of now. And in that class, uh, the the final class in that is on baptism, and I teach that baptism is by immersion. That that's what the word means. That for whatever reason, Tyndale, when uh, he was translating the the Bible into English, instead of translating the word with its meaning, he transliterated the word. So baptizo is the Greek word that we call baptism, but that word actually just means to immerse. And and so instead of saying to uh, immerse, like you would normally do with every other word, right? When you translate a word, you translate it into the language. But instead of doing that, he transliterated the word, so he made up baptism that kind of sounds like baptizo. And, uh, and so it kind of just kind of takes away the meaning of that word. And, and so in my, my membership class, I, I teach that, that baptism is by immersion and that, that that is the best picture of what's really happening in baptism. So baptism is, is really a, a picture of our spiritual salvation where we are baptized or immersed into Christ and we become part of his body. And uh, it's, it's this picture of us um, our old life, our, our old self having been crucified with him. And so when we go under the water, there's this, this picture of us dying because we die to our old life. And then we come up out of the water. We, we are now in a, a picture of newness of life. There's this cleanness and we're, we've been washed by the water. And so there's this picture of, of the newness of life that we have in Christ. And that's what baptism is meant to picture. It's meant to picture that spiritual reality that's already happened in a person's life. And the best picture of that, of course, is actually going under the water because being sprinkled or poured on doesn't really picture this death as it, as going under the water does. So that's what I teach our membership class. But I've always had this little um, hidden caveat that I, I've never, I don't ever tell anyone about. But if we've always kind of said, if if somebody in their conscience just it, it, it's for some reason it goes against their conscience to be Rebaptized. If they were baptized as a believer, but it was by a different method of baptism, um, we would allow that. Although we don't try, we don't like open the door to that thing. Um, now I've never had anyone do that. So I've I've had I've had people that were weren't quite convinced, weren't quite sure about the about their sprinkling baptism, and and I've I've given them teachings on baptism by various teachers and I've had them read different things and they've always just in my experience kind of come around and said okay yes let's let's get baptized by immersion and so that's happened a number of times at at Grace Life um in my baptism class I I point out that there's two other words in Greek there's a word in Greek for pouring and there's a that means to pour and there's a, a word in Greek that means to sprinkle uh I can't remember which one's which, but one of them is rantizo and one of them is ekneuo. And so I, in my membership class, I kind of tease people. Now, maybe it's a little bit sensitive here. I don't know. But uh, I say, if, you, if, you have, um, if you've been baptized by pouring or by immersion, or by, sorry, by pouring or by sprinkling, you've been ekneuoed or rantizoed and not baptizoed. And so... I would, I would, I would want to do that. Now, when we come in here, you know, I, I just want to be sensitive to you guys and your consciences. I would, I would probably want to teach a little bit more thoroughly on that and just maybe show from scripture why I think that, that baptism means immersion. And then I think it'd be nice if we all, as a, as a unified body, were on the same page and could be on the same page and we all were, baptized by immersion and, and and then going forward we were all baptized the same way and it would show our unity um in that doctrine but again that's not um it's not something that i, I want to force down anyone's throat i just i would want to just let the word of god kind of show you that and and i'd want you to see that for yourselves um does that does that sound good honey? yeah sure <laughs> um Anyway, that that so so there you go. I don't I don't know how that's sitting with you. You can tell me after. I, we'd love I'd love to talk about it more. But 
But that's kind of, I think, what I said to Lauren as well. And um, you were bad. You were poured, right? Is that right? Next question. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, we did early on. We had a conversation about that because, as I think everybody in this room understands, it is a topic in our community that. Um, does require some sensitivity, but also some proper teaching and, and training on. And um, as I mentioned to you previously, your your answers are consistent. Okay. And yeah. uh, so I think it did give some clarity as to to that question as okay. well. So good. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes he, you, people are asking me these questions off the top of my head, and I'm hoping I'm always answering them the same way every time, <laughs> and because I don't have any notes with me or anything, but. Um, yeah, that, you know, that's, I think that's where I'm at as far as baptism goes. And of course, um, baptism is for believers. And so you've got to have believers baptism, you, you know, and, and in my membership classes as well, I go through the book of Acts and just show all the different words that, that show that where people are responding to the gospel and, and then are baptized. And there, there's lots of different ways that people respond. You know, they repent, they believe, they, the, the Lord opened their heart and they're baptized. And, and so, but in every single case, it's it's always of a somebody who's come to saving faith in Christ that's baptized. Okay. Thank you. Um, we are about ten minutes before we're supposed to start the evening session, but um, I do see some lights on and off still coming on. So we will uh, maybe close with a question for both of you guys. Um, just a bit of a on a lighter side. Um, but apart from maybe teaching and preaching, you, you've touched on that quite a bit. We've heard your teaching and preaching this weekend, also through the, the website from, from Grace Life. But what other areas would both of you maybe consider to be an area of strength in, in how you could serve the church? And maybe even an area of weakness that, that you feel you could either grow in or maybe even an area in which the church could serve you guys. So... Let's uh, close off with that one. Uh, well, uh, so, you know, an, uh, an area that I haven't covered that I, I, you know, is just being with people. I think hospitality, hospitality is actually a uh, qualification for an elder. And so we would, Jody and I would, we love being hospitable and uh, having people into our homes, getting to know people, doing personal discipleship that way. Uh I think that's a strength. It's not. It's not like the strongest strength of ours, but we we do enjoy doing that. Uh, I think a weakness for me is I I feel so uncomfortable teaching young people. I just I don't I don't know that I relate really good. I, I and and so like and you guys aren't young out here, but I'm, I'm talking about like youth aged people. Um, I feel much more comfortable talking to seniors and and. Uh, and uh, people about 30 and up. So uh, that would be a weakness of mine. That would be something that I would, uh, yeah, just, I'd, just little kids kind of terrify me. And I just like don't know how to relate to them. And I, I don't know how to like bring it down to their level. I just like, so that's that's a struggle for me. I'll also, like I'm, I don't feel that I'm very good at just having a conversation. So I just, I struggle in conversation. Now, maybe you don't notice. Sometimes people are surprised that I say that, but I, I feel like it's much easier for me to teach an hour lesson than it is to have just a conversation like we're doing right now. And, uh, and so that's just a, a weakness. And I, I'm sure that there's lots of quirky things about me that, that just, um, you know, hope, like, what, what am I trying to say? I just, just, I need, I need grace from you. I'm not going to be a perfect pastor if I come and be your pastor. Uh, I'm going to have weaknesses and you guys are going to have weaknesses and we just want to love each other and, and help each other grow and be like Christ. And so uh, just just want you to know that, that, that you're going to, there might be things and, and we, we can talk about those things and I can try to grow and change and, and uh, I might talk to you about those things and then you can try to grow and change too. But um, that it's kind of a, a relationship that, that, uh, that hopefully can glorify the Lord. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's a good question. Uh, it's a hard question. I, I love being with the women of the church. I love just 
hanging out and being in relationship and talking and um yeah i love that i want to always be having women over and um just being a conversation um that's something i love and yeah we love to host we're not great at it we need to improve at it but we do love to host um I am not a leader or a teacher, so I think sometimes it's assumed that pastor's wives ought to lead and teach, and I do not see myself as those things, so that would be a weakness. Um, yeah, I would I would love to be able to do those things, but I just can't. Um, and but that, she did teach. She taught just last week. She taught a thing on missions to the women at Grace Life, and I thought she did a great job. I wasn't there, yeah, but... She was- <laughs> but it was, it was good so i saw the notes and i helped with the slideshow and it's there was some good content in there yeah so yeah i think that's yeah. okay okay thank you